This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Blessing to be here with Andre and Sonica and uh, with you guys. And your passion for prayer is something that I will go and take back to my house and our church. I say, we've got to up the level, people. Is London is way ahead of us when we pray, so come on. But that's great. So uh, I'm going to speak to you guys about baptism tonight. So uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, Lord, that changes us. God, thank you for your spirit that changes us. And Father, we pray, Lord, that as we come together tonight around your word, Father, that you will just break open to us what you want us to see. Father, I pray, Lord God, that for those of us who know a lot about baptism, Father, I pray, Lord, for just a new way, Lord God, of sharing it with people. A new way, Lord God, of looking at it, Lord God, and and a new way, Father, of just engaging into this wonderful blessing that you give us, like we saw tonight. And we honor you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, you know, when we speak about baptism, uh, especially, it is it's something that is dear to my heart because I've been through a little bit of a rough time regarding it. And that's what I'm going to share with you tonight. So tonight I'm going to share a little bit of my story, and I'm going to share a little bit about just what baptism is. So uh, come on this journey with me. Um, but firstly, I want to I lay down some markers. You know, because <clears throat> when you speak about this, there's usually two camps. Okay, you get the traditional camp, which is more like your Dutch Reformed churches and infant baptism churches. And then you get, on the other side, you get the Pentecostal charismatic which is us now, movement. Um, and, you know, from, from both perspectives, you can get arrogance and you can get me, myself, I stuff that I want to just put out there. And whenever I speak about traditional churches, maybe there's some of you here that, is, that has come from a place like that. Welcome to the club. So do I. All right? And I'm really thankful to God for, you know, as we speak about traditional churches. You know what? That church laid a foundation in my life to receive the Spirit of God, to receive more of the Word of God. Because there was built into me, you know, sometimes with our haughty looks looking down, you know what? There are some great things that happened to me and to us coming from the traditional churches. You know, God has rebuked me heavily. When I speak against this church, any church. So whenever you, you go into this, know that there are people that are not like you. But also know that you need to be humble when you come to any subject. But especially this. Not being a Mr. Know-it-all and say, that says the word and you lied to me and all that nonsense. Okay, so... That's just the, the first one. So don't get offended when I speak about the traditional church or even then the, the charismatic Pentecostal churches. But I want to encourage you with, with my story. And uh, you're going to like that at the end. But first, we're going to go through some things together. So the first thing that I want to say to you is that, you know what? God is good. All right? And whenever He tells you to do something, you know what? He's got your best interest at heart. And that is now regardless 
But sometimes it feels like you're going to die. Die. To yourself. Like I said this morning, on the other side of our comfort zones, there in that place of faith, you know, that is where God's heart is for us and where we grow. So get out of that place and... uh, that's the first thing. The, th- the second thing is, you know, we always speak about, you know, God loves us. But God likes you, actually. Because sometimes we get so, you know, caught up in this, yeah, God loves me. No, He likes you. He likes who you are with all your stuff and your mannerisms and your loudness. He likes you. Whenever God speaks to us, you know, it's always a communication thing. Because I've been married for, going for 11 years in December, and uh, to one wife, which is an awesome one. Did I show you the, the, yeah, I can show it to you. She's up there. That's my wife. Yeah, she's beautiful. And then that's my boys. Those three. And then uh, you guys can continue. I'm already uh, a little bit ahead of you. Sorry about that. So, communication is, many times we experience communication on a topical level. And you find it in many relationships. So, you think you are fighting over this water bottle, which to me is almost full. And to somebody else, it's empty, man. But the fact of the matter is, there's two different types of communication. A topical one, you know, this is the issue that I think it is. But then you've got a relational one. And a relational communication is something that is way deeper than this. Many times we cut off the branches of our fights. But there's a root thing. There's a relational issue. So, for instance, if if my boy is there and, and, and I reach over and I start to cut his food for him and he gets angry with me and I am the dad you, will, you shall not get angry with me for cutting your food topical why did he get angry because I entered his space without asking him permission to do so The relational issue, you violated my space. And that is the thing that, that that's actually needs to be addressed. Not the food. Okay, so, so when we speak about baptism in general, if you want to fight in church, speak about this. Yeah? But you know what I've learned? You know what's a good question to ask? Why? Why? Why is there such a massive thing in broad terms when it comes to what happens here that happened here tonight? I jump into the swimming pool in the summer many times. I go underneath the water and everything. And no one has got an issue with that. 
But don't let me go and stand up there and say, Idaval, I'm going to get baptized. You get this thing that happens. Why? Can we answer that question through this evening? So, let's start with the word, you know, the word baptism. That is why some churches, when it comes to infant baptism, they, they take the whole baby and they, they put the whole baby under the water and take the baby out when you speak about infant baptism. Because if you do the translation correctly from the Greek word, that word bapta, which is the root word of it, it means to immerse or cause something to be immersed. That is what the, the word means. So, anyway. And it's a constructed word. Baptizo is just... A different way it says you take something, you put it into something else, and a change occurs. That's what baptizo means. So when you take Lady Di, Di and you, you take your mother's white wedding dress, and you baptizo it into the Lady Di red dye. You're going to take a white wedding dress, baptizo it into something, and a change will occur. The white dress will be red. And if you've got a good father, like I am, then your father is going to baptize your behind. <laughs> Take it from nice and white to red. But that is the concept when it comes to baptism. Taking something, putting it into something else, and then a change occurs. So, firstly, first scripture there, Matthew twenty-eight eighteen: Baptism is an act of obedience. It says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority has been given on earth, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. Who gets baptized? No, 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 not everybody. Who gets baptized? According to that scripture, read it. Disciples! Who's a disciple? Yes, I'm a disciple. Great. <laughs> Who's a disciple? Somebody that follows Christ. So you need cognitive following of Christ to be a disciple. And then you get baptized. So in the first instance, that is what happens in the scripture. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it's a command of Jesus. <laughs> what do we say when we get baptized? What, what just happened there? We find that in Romans 6. Romans 6 verse 1 to 4 says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin live in it any longer? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. And we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So you and I can't go and hang on a cross to die, because we'll die. But what Christ has done, that is sufficient. Jesus' death on the cross was sufficient for all of us. When we get to that place, committing our lives to Christ, saying, God, please forgive me, I'm a sinner, then he bestows his righteousness on us. And then 
this happens. It's a snapshot. Like a trailer for a movie. It's a big movie, but it's just a big trailer. Same thing that happens when we get baptized. It's a snapshot of something that has happened in the spiritual realm that you are just symbolically enacting in the baptism waters. So you are going to a place where you say, this old me is going to die today. And it's quick. You're going under, by faith, coming up, new man. It's just a symbolic thing. You know how powerful that symbolic thing is? It's massive. Because you are declaring to the people here, but also to the spiritual realms around us, me, the vault, I decide to follow Christ. And I'm showing it to the world. And you start to walk in the newness of life. And you won't be perfect. I'm not perfect. When you come up there, you'll still make mistakes. And you ask forgiveness. You don't have to get baptized again. But God wants us to know that what we do is it's powerful because of the symbolic thing that it represents when we do that. So, just one thing that, I, that I'd like to show you guys from, from Scripture. This is where us Pentecostal charismatics sometimes get stupid. You know, we might think we're all cool in that, but sometimes we do get stupid. Some of us go and say to people, you know, if you're not baptized, you're not saved. I know you're not, you're not like that because you've got great pastor. <laughs> But they take a scripture like this in, in, in Mark 16, verse 16. It says, whoever, believed, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And then they say, okay, see? You must believe and you must be baptized, and then you will be saved. But then just the next part of that same verse says, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. I'm not saying whoever does not believe and is not baptized will be condemned. And I'm, you know, sometimes I just think practically. Imagine you are driving here, down the N2, and you come across this massive, you know, crash. And you're the first on the scene. And there's this guy or this woman lying there, you know, regurgitating blood. Okay, I'll go, sorry. But you see, it's their last moments. And you start to ask them, do you know Christ? And then you're like, and just before you want to pray with them for, to receive Christ, you say, you look around, you say, no water here. Sorry, bro. Cheers. <laughs> How stupid is that? So sometimes our arrogance as Pentecostal charismatics gets in the way of just normal reasoning. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. But with that, I'm not saying that baptism is not important. If you've got the opportunity to do that, do it. Do the Nike thing, man. Just do it. Because of the step of obedience, that is what gives it power. That you take whenever you get to that place of being baptized. All right, so let's just talk for a while regarding infant baptism. Because that is obviously the, the other standpoint and. Uh, Whenever you speak about this, it gets touchy. But it started a while back, you know, about 400 to 500 after Christ. 
when the disciples did an amazing job at evangelizing the world. And then they did such a great job that the Roman Empire became a Christian empire. And then it was great for a while, and then it started to turn sour, because now because it's state and church together, you get some benefits if you are in the church. So let's get people into the church quickly, man. So that is the one part of it. The other part is found in Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. So for all the arguments that you get regarding infant baptism, this is the best one. And this is the one that, that, that gets used. Paul writes to the Colossians, and he says, Colossians 2, verse 11 and 12, it says, In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. All right, so your traditional vo- viewpoint is one where this scripture, these two scriptures are taken, see, saying this is where Paul writes and he's speaking about what? Circumcision in the flesh. And then he translates it directly to a spiritual thing and he equates it to baptism. Now, if you, if you build a whole doctrine on two scriptures in the Bible, shaky, in the broader sense. But this is the best argument that you can find for that. Now, I don't know if it's up there. What was the sign of the, the old covenant? Circumcision. What is the sign of the new covenant? Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The sign of the new covenant is the Holy Spirit. Not baptism. So, when you get saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. That, that was the thing that happened to people that couldn't have happened before Christ died. Nobody before Christ's death and resurrection could experience new birth. Because the Holy Spirit was confined to Christ in a, in a big way. Okay, some people got some sporadic movements of the Spirit through the Old Testament. But when Christ died, rise, He said, listen, I will send you another helper. The Holy Spirit. And that is the sign of the new covenant. That is the sign that you are saved. That is the sign that you are changed. When the Holy Spirit gets hold of you, if you are baptized or not. People will see it. That is the sign of the new covenant. So, back to, to our scripture in Colossians. So I'm reading one day, I'm reading here in, in Acts 15. Now, Acts 15 is, is a, it's a long letter. I'm just going to paraphrase what happens there, and then we can read those scriptures. So there was uh, an issue in church. I know you guys. No, we've all got issues. But there was an issue in church, in the early church, that happened in Acts 15. Some people came to a place, you know, Paul and them, just to contextualize it, they came from Johannesburg, where the revival and stuff happened, through the Holy Spirit, and they traveled all the way to East London. And here in East London, they, they, they speak about Christ, they share the gospel, and all of you guys get saved. Hallelujah. You pagan you. No Jews among you. And then, about two years later, some other dudes, also from Jerusalem, from Johannesburg, comes down to East London. To the same group of people and says, listen, 
I know, I know this Jesus thing that you're doing, you know. Yeah, that's cool, that's cool. But for you to really be saved, you must be circumcised. And now all the men are like, hmm. And that was the issue, yeah, in Acts 15. So this was such an issue that they had the first global church council then regarding this issue. They called it the Jerusalem Council. So all the leaders came together and said, don't know what to do. Let's pray and let's talk. And then it says there, when Paul and Barnabas, you know, when they spoke, and they had no small dissension with them. You know what that means? That a massive fight. A massive fight regarding this thing. Circumcision. So I'll read there, verse 1 and 2 says, But some men came down from Judea, Johannesburg, and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others that were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question, you know, stood up and they, they shared what happens to the Gentiles. And then... You know, they speak, and, 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 and um, James, the leader of the, the Jerusalem church, gets up and he says, okay, guys, now we've heard all of this, and what happened here with us in Johannesburg, the exact same thing happened in East London. As the Holy Spirit fell on us in the upper room, so the Holy Spirit fell on them, the Gentiles, not Jews. So who are we to judge what God is doing? So now, now they settled that issue. Now they're going to write a letter to them. They're going to write a letter that they're going to, they're going to bring by horse to East London from Johannesburg. Verse 28 and 29 says, and this again, I'll just read it. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols, from blood, and from what has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do, do well. Cheers, goodbye. Now I'm like, God, and now I'm just the volier. But that, Acts 15 place, was the best place in the whole Bible to lay this thing to rest. You could have just said, God, right there, because it's about circumcision. Just said, you know, with all those necessary things, and then just on the eighth day or so, baptize your kids. Is it there? No. Did God forget about it? No. Because it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Not even on God's radar. Now, the deception that comes in, and this is, this is what, what works me out. And again, I've got a lot of friends in the traditional church. And I know that many of them do not believe this. But there's a deception that comes through. And you see it at funerals many times of people that were in traditional churches. And you couldn't really say from their life that they were saved or not. And we had one there in, in, in Malmesbury the other day. And then, you know, this person that died and... A young person, and there wasn't that testimony. Well, I didn't know the person personally. 
But one of my other friends went there, and then the Domini stood there by the baptismal font with his hand in the water. And he said, because of this water, we know that is huge. Because going on here from Colossians 2, what the traditional church says is, in God's mercy and grace, He reached out to us. And because He has come to us, we receive grace. And when we are baptized, we become part of His church, part of His people. Okay? That is not what everybody believes in the traditional church, but that is the deception that sometimes filters through to the pew sitters in church. Now, when I was uh, teaching this at uh, um, Bible school there in Stellenbosch when I was uh, a young, young lad, I was always afraid that some older guy with gray hair will stand up, because there were many of them, came to our Bible school, and then said, Buti, let me tell you something. Don't speak a lot of nonsense. And then one day it happened. You know, this older guy put up his hand and... Uh, he said, listen, he wants, to, he wants to actually just say something. And I'm like, Jesus, help me. And he says he had a wrestle with God regarding this. And then God showed him something. And it answered my question about the why. Why is there such a massive issue when it comes to this? And he said the following. He said, Satan can come against a water covenant every day of the week. And win. But against the blood covenant signed by the blood of Christ, he's got no chance. And that is why there's such a massive thing about this. It's not about being baptized, it's about the deception to get people to trust in a water covenant and not a blood covenant. Because if they trust in a water covenant, guess what? They'll go straight to hell with their water covenant and all. And Satan will smile all the way. And again, it's not about baptism. But the deception that baptism saves you is huge. So, my story, coming from a traditional background, having a mom and a dad that brought me up in that way, whom I'm very thankful for. So I get to Shofar there in, uh, in Stellenbosch, and I start to learn a lot of things, and see new things, and God changes me, and he, He's really, you know, changing me in a, in a massive way. And then God starts to speak to me about baptism. I said, okay, fine, God, I'll do it. I want to be, because I had a question, I had a question, Jesus, why were you baptized? When you were big, not small. And other questions similar to that, and then God started to answer my questions, and uh, so I decided to get baptized, and it was on a Sunday, Got baptized, you know, after church. And then, before that, I phoned my dad. I can't get him on the phone. I got baptized, and just after that, I get a hold of my dad. You know, and he's a really, he's a great guy. He always supported me in everything that I did. He's always there at, our, at my rugby games and stuff. So, he was really a, a, an amazing father. Supportive and encouraging. And then, I said, Dad, guess what I did? And he says, no, tell me, what did you do? I said, I got baptized. And there was a silence, and he said, 
What for? Have you ever seen a, a deflated balloon? I was deflated. In such a way that I didn't want to go to church that evening. But luckily it was my custom to go to church. So I went anyway. And when I got there, the service was about the last two or the last verses of the Old Testament. Malachi. It says, God will turn the hearts of the fathers to the hearts of the sons. And the hearts of the sons to the hearts of the fathers. I was inflated again instantly. Because I knew that God is going to sort this thing out. So I went back home and it was tough, you know. But God led me through that thing so that I can understand our older folks' position when it comes to this thing. When I spoke to my dad, one thing that I saw was afterward, what he experienced was that what he did wasn't good enough. And now I had to go and do it all over again. Because what did they promise at my baptism? That they'll raise me in the ways of the Lord. They'll teach me His Word. So it was their promise to God. And now I go and I get baptized, you know, nullifying what they have done so that what they've done isn't good enough. And I saw just the biggest lie from the pit of hell. Because what happened when I got baptized is a fulfillment of their promise to God. Now I'm not following them because they tell me to anymore. Now I'm not following Christ because of some other thing. I'm following Christ because I want to follow Him with my whole life. And from that place, I got baptized. And it's actually a fulfillment of what they promised. It's just the term baptism. We do the same thing here, you know. Whenever there's babies born, we dedicate them to the Lord. But it's not baptism. Because we understand baptism differently. So God showed me this so that I can understand. And, and you know, for those of you who have been here with your family, that's awesome. If there's some of you that are younger than you want to get baptized, rather have your parents here when you get baptized. As far as you can. Because it changes people's hearts. And I've seen it so many times. When they come and sit and see what God does and what is happening here, then it changes their hearts. So rather wait a little bit longer and get them on board, humble. Don't go pointing the finger, you didn't tell me, you know, you and your traditional church. <sighs> Humbly go and say, God, help me. And then speak to your parents and say, this is what God's showing me. And I'm really being urged into this place of where God wants me to get baptized. And I want you guys to be there because I honor you. And your promise is important to me. And this is a fulfillment of your promise. And I want you to come and see it with me. But then ultimately, if your parents doesn't want to do that, then you have to be obedient to Scripture. But, you know, if you come in a humble heart, 99% of the time, your parents, because they love us. Sometimes we do stupid things. Much more stupid than getting baptized. And they love us still. But get to that place, honoring them, and with a humble heart, asking them to come with you on this journey. And it will change their lives too. Many parents have been baptized because of their kids. Because of the, the transformation that they saw in their kids. 
and I had the privilege of baptizing my schoonma, my clean mother. It was so awesome. We, we, she started to speak to me about it, and, uh, and uh, you know, she didn't speak to, to Danelle and, and, and uh, her husband as much, but she spoke to me, and we, we had a conversation. And I told her, listen, Mom, when you're ready, I'm ready. And then one December there on the farm, she takes a, a, a towel over her shoulder, and she's walking out the door. And my grand, uh, um, my father-in-law, he says, Mama, where are you going? I'm going to get baptized. You're coming with. <laughs> so it was so cool, you know. He took her outside into the portable swimming pool, and she got baptized. And it's amazing to see this the growth in them both from that time. But it's because they, they see fruit. And that is an amazing thing that changes hearts of older folk. But humility, teachable, those things, that, that those are the things that we must show them. If you're going to go there and bah, 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 no fruit that they are going to see or experience as loving. And you've lost it already. <laughs> Amen. Last two scriptures. Matthew three seventeen. What happens at, at baptism is amazing. Like here, yeah, people praying afterwards. Jesus got baptized, goes into the water after just him speaking to John and saying, you must baptize me. John saying, no, I, I must be baptized by you. And he says, to fulfill all righteousness, let it be done. And he gets baptized by John. And right after that, the Holy Spirit descends on him. But then another cool thing happens. God the Father opens up the heavens and he speaks. And he says to everybody, some thinks it's thunder, but others hear, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You listen to him. God coming and affirming his identity, his purpose, and everything right there as it comes up from the baptism waters. That's what makes baptism so special for me. It stirs the Father's heart. That step of obedience, following Christ, and He speaks still. I had a friend, and uh, I still have one. I've got a friend in Jesus. <clears throat> No, I wanted to be vague, but I, I, I don't need to be vague. So uh, he is now the pastor of Shofar uh, Grafrenet. Funny. Funny now. So we had a lot of conversations. We were in, uh, in Stellenbosch together there in, in Rez, in Dagbrek. And uh, then uh, as we were sitting there on the quad, and we, speak, we spoke a lot. It was like for three years, man, we spoke about a lot of stuff. Baptism being some of the same he was in, in the traditional church, and I was in Pentecostal charismatic church. And we had some conversation. And it, I didn't change his mind. And then one day he, he went back to the farm, and then he, he came to do his master's degree. And then I started to work already. We didn't see others so much. And, uh, and as he came back, then at the end of that year, just before he goes, he went back to the farm again. 
I get a phone call. He says to me, the volume has come baptize me. I almost fell off my chair. I'm like, Genian. I say, yes. But I want to tell you something he said. I said, you told me about, you know, that, that Romans 6 and all of those scriptures and stuff, but you didn't tell me about this scripture. John 12, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And the Holy Spirit speaks to him and says, Father, I want you to die in the baptism waters so that you can bear much fruit. And I'm like, Jesus, that's the one that I'm going to use from here on in. <laughs> so if you're here tonight and you saw what happened and you've got some friends or family maybe, be humble, but be bold. Follow Christ. Be obedient to Scripture. You know how many people have been set free of a lot of stuff because they got baptized? Stuff that they struggled with for long times. But as they got baptized, it's kind of like just it fell off them. Because that declaration of what you do in the spirit, or you do it in the natural, but the declaration to the spiritual realm is very, very powerful. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.